0: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
1: today we've got a great handicap parking spot malicious compliance story we'll get into that in a bit but first gotcha i used to work in a school as a support educator and a high school scenario and i got to know a lot of my students quite well They all very much looked forward to me being in their classrooms, which was a nice warm and fuzzy feeling because it meant I was doing my job and I was doing it well. One day midweek, the school was severely short-staffed and the powers that be were having to step in and cover classrooms themselves due to the catastrophic staff shortage. As an education support employee, I was not allowed to be in a classroom on my own with any students because I was not a fully qualified teacher. In the event I got to a classroom and there was no teacher present, I was not allowed to unlock the classroom and let the students in, in order to keep them safe and together and to ensure that we did not disrupt the classrooms around the area. This made my due diligence in performing my child protection duties very difficult in circumstances like this. I had a duty of care to the students, but I also had to adhere to the policy of not being alone in a classroom with students without a fully qualified teacher present. I arrived to a class where the powers that be forgot to roster on a sub teacher. Knowing the policies of the school, and still within the realm of my duty of care to the students, I spoke to the senior class about what had happened. I asked them to please be respectful of the classrooms around us, and that if they could work with me while I found out who would be coming to essentially babysit us all, was the way I put it. The students were awesome, and just sat down, got their current work out from other classes, grouped together and got to it. I rang the contact line I was instructed to ring if this ever did happen, and they said they would send someone straight up. I went and notified the teachers either side of us what was happening, so they knew we weren't just a bunch of unruly delinquents hanging out where we shouldn't be, so no complaints could be made against me. We waited 10 minutes and no one turned up. I rang again, I was told the same thing, and we waited patiently and quietly again. One of the teachers came out to see what was happening. I informed them, no one had turned up, and I'd contacted the office a second time and informed the teacher that the office had advised they were sending someone straight up. The teacher did the old tisk tisk at me, returned to their classroom and shut the door to block us out. The lesson time was 40 minutes long. By this point we were 25 minutes into the lesson period. The principal normally does the rounds throughout the high school a couple of times a week before lunchtime let out, and he found us all working quietly and efficiently outside this classroom. He came up and started blasting the students as to why they weren't in class. I quickly stepped in and said, Hi sir, you must be our replacement teacher. I've rung the office twice and no one has been sent up to take the lesson. Now, the principal was widely known to be on the downhill ride into retirement, so for him to have to do this was a real inconvenience to him. So he begrudgingly unlocked the classroom door, let us all in and proceeded to babysit us into the lunch break. Once everyone was released to lunch, I was asked to accompany him to his office to have a word. My line manager was summoned and I copped a nice big ton of talking to for my actions. I was confused as to why I was getting reamed for the way I handled things because I followed the conflicting policies to the letter. I then asked for clarification and brought up all the written instructions and policies of the school to get the principal to explain to me where I had gone wrong. He couldn't fault what I'd done, but because his senior staff had messed up and not assigned a sub to the class I was with, he had to step in and help out, and because I'd been there to instigate that he take responsibility being the principal of the school and the only qualified teacher in the vicinity, he had a beef with me about that. I requested that the principal and my line manager send me an email with the attached policies highlighting what I should do in the future and I would ensure it never happened again. They both seemed happy with that, sent me what I'd already pulled up for clarification, but this time their names were attached to it. My principal included a step-by-step layout of what was expected of me, even though I did exactly that to the letter anyway but this time I had it in writing. I printed it off, laminated it and carried it with me at all times plus saved the email just in case. A few of the other support workers learned through the gossip channel what I'd gone through and I advised that they also ask for what I had in writing so they knew and couldn't be screwed. I wasn't going to send it to them as we all know how that crap pans out and it's best to have it directly from the horse's mouth. Cue malicious compliance! Over the coming weeks, the staff shortage was still an issue, and my scenario occurred to four of my other support staff friends over various classes and on various days. Each time one of them experienced no teacher turning up to take the class, they followed the step-by-step protocol set out by the principal to the letter. The final instruction on his email was, If you get to the 20-minute mark of a lesson and no one is turned up even though you have contacted staff support, Please send me an email immediately to document the occurrence so we can monitor how often this happens, and then follow up with phone call to inform me you are on your own outside the classroom with the students so I can come and help or find someone to help.
0: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host.
1: The principal was called out to nine different lessons in the space of three days to take classes that subteachers had not been supplied to. On the Friday of that week, all support staff were dragged in for a meeting during break. I knew what was coming so I walked in with my laminated copies of the emails I originally asked for, plus my employment agreement, fair work documents, child protection laws and training documents, and laws surrounding lunch breaks. We all got absolutely blasted for the amount of times we had contacted the principal in the past week for help with classrooms not covered by full qualified teachers. We all just sat there and copped it and then we were all asked if we had anything to say for ourselves. Of course, the principal's management team was not under fire for their blunders, as this all came from their mismanagement and not doing their jobs properly. I stood up, phoned the support line for employees with the union rep, got someone on loudspeaker, I knew the conversation would be recorded at the union's end, and I authorized it to be recorded, as I wanted the whole glorious thing captured so no recourse could happen to any of us. I explained what the situation was and invited the principal to chime in at any time to provide his facts on the matter. I provided the proof of the principal's email. I provided my employment contract which was the same for all people in my position that stated hours to work and therefore breaks to be had. I provided the child protection laws and policy of the school. I stated we had complied with them and exercised our due diligence in the spirit of managing the situations in the spur of the moment and all the other support workers agreed we had. I provided the child protection training documents we are forced to do at the start of every single year. It's mandatory and we cannot work in a classroom without having completed it, even though once it's done, most staff ignore it. I also said that we had progressed 38 minutes into our 40 minute break and would now all be required to take that break or be paid overtime at double overtime rates as it had been so many hours since our last break, which invites additional penalty rates. The union asked the principal to make a statement, which he did, and then we ended the call. The principal, upper management of the school, and my manager were all left absolutely stunned. We had managed to single-handedly get on record that the school was in remiss in child protection, Upper management were not doing their jobs and rostering staff on to cover classes, staff abuse for following all policies and procedures to the letter, and to top it all off, the school had to give us all our lunch breaks in the afternoon, which ended up being the rest of the day because the meeting went well over break time. So, in good faith, we all got to leave early on the Friday afternoon, get paid for it along with our overtime rates, and we all went on strike the following Wednesday when we all knew no exams were on and our absence would not affect our students just to send a message to management that this whole thing was on their heads. Our absence was felt, but since we were not supposed to look after students without a fully qualified teacher around, they ended up having multiple classes with no supervision whatsoever on the Wednesday because all us support workers were not there to wrangle the masses. This caused more management to be exposed for not doing their jobs. The following school term, management got shuffled around and relocated to try to get things back on track. If you don't home educate your kids, I suggest you do. This is a more common occurrence than most people think. Now, I don't think my high school was some five-star, top-of-the-line public high school. But hey, I wasn't having dysfunction like this going on even when there was dysfunction. I mean, this is an impressive level of dysfunction from a high school. Our next story is, strict adherence to contract backfires beautifully. Had to share this gem of a story from a few years back when I was contracting with a tech firm. Get your popcorn because this one's a treat. Enter Mr. Grayson, the firm's new operations head. Now this guy had a reputation for being a stickler for the rules, often to the point of absurdity. Shortly after his arrival, contractors like myself were handed these freshly inked contracts. It was verbose to say the least, but one clause stood out. All contractors shall adhere strictly to the tasks outlined in their contract. Any deviation will result in immediate termination. This was Mr. Grayson's baby, his attempt to ensure we stayed in our designated lanes. For context, the firm had a history of a collaborative environment, Developers would occasionally assist with design queries, and designers like me would sometimes offer input on usability to the developers. But Grayson, oh, he wanted none of that cross-departmental nonsense. Now, on to the malicious compliance. A big project was on the horizon, and midway, the development team hit a snag. They identified a design flaw, something my team could have fixed in an hour or two. However, helping them wasn't in my contract. So I sat back, sipped my coffee, and watched the drama unfold. The developers, bound by their contracts, spent days trying to engineer their way around a problem that wasn't theirs to solve. The project timeline got stretched, costs increased, and frustrations bubbled. The climax? A big meeting with higher-ups, where Grayson had to explain the delays. When the design flaw was brought up, All eyes turned to me. I simply slid a copy of my contract across the table and highlighted the strict adherence clause. I recall the deafening silence in the room, broken only by Grayson's stammering. In the aftermath, Grayson's strict contract idea was trashed. Collaboration resumed, the project got back on track, and our dear Mr. Grayson? He was reassigned to a different apartment, far away from meddling with contracts yeah if there's one thing i've heard about successful companies or even companies that just have good worker morale it's encouraging this collaborative thinking i've heard places that have like a kitchen or like bathrooms for example specifically design their buildings so that it's a high traffic area so there's a greater chance of people running into each other and maybe collaborating and just talking about stuff People from all kinds of different departments that would have no reason to meet up, have to on the way to the kitchen, the break room, the bathrooms, whatnot. Our next story is, interviewer accuses me of parking in the handicap spot and tells me to prove it. A few years ago, while I was in school and job hunting, I got an interview at a company for office work, filing, answering phones, setting appointments, etc. I was looking forward to getting an office job instead of retail or fast food. The building had big window walls that overlooked the parking lot so you could see cars pulling in and parking. I pull into the lot and park my car. I get out and walk into the office. Now, as I'm walking in, I note that there's a car parked in the handicap space in front of the office. This car looks just like mine, I should note. So I walk in and I'm greeted by the manager who kind of gives me a scowling look. It made me uneasy a little as we walked back to his office. We sit down and he's asking me questions in a bit of a clipped tone. He seems annoyed by my answers and I don't understand what's going on at this point. Finally, he says, Do you always park in handicapped spaces? I'm confused, so I ask him what he means. He goes on a rant about how entitled I am for parking in the handicapped spot at a potential place of employment, and I'm just getting more lost. I asked him what is going on because I didn't park in a handicapped spot. I'm parked in the lot. He argues with me and says he watched my car pull in and saw me park there. I again told him that I didn't park in a handicapped spot, but the car that I walked by in that spot looked similar to my car. He says that he knows that he saw me park and get out of the car. At this point I'm over the whole interview. I knew this would be a cluster freak of a place to work for if this is the guy managing it. Then he goes a step further and says prove it. I grab my purse and get my keys out. I don't even bother waiting for him and just leave the office. He's jogging after me and hurried outside to stand and wait. His face went from smug arrogance to Pikachu real quick as I walked past the car in the handicap spot. He asked me where I was going as I walked over to my car. Then I turned around and made eye contact as I hit the button on my keys to unlock it and got in. He was starting to walk over to me, calling out that he was sorry about the misunderstanding but I just put the car in reverse and left. I didn't even make eye contact with him as I drove away. Honestly, I hope with every fiber of my being that that guy felt like a complete and total jerk for what they had just done right there. Just absolutely assumed so much about OP, I hope they legitimately feel ashamed that this person walked out on their interview like that. And I kind of feel for OP because it's like, finally, they feel like they can get a step up. No more scrubbing dishes and all of a sudden the first one you get in the door and you get this. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another awesome malicious compliance story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.